episode 66 of Board Games with Variant Hex is all about events at Gen Con 2022. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, Aaron and I talk about the events we attended while at Gen Con. We took fitness classes, tried new games, went to some shows, and even saw a baseball game. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to myself and Aaron talking about events at Gen Con 2022. This is the first post-Gen Con episode that we're recording, but it may not be the first one that releases, but we are fresh Timey of Gen Timey-wimey. Could be, could be. It was today's Sunday. Wait, no. What day is it? To- Monday. 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 Today's Monday. Gen Con just ended yesterday, sort of reviewing the whole experience. So we're going to just break it into different topics and record those as separate episodes. It's going to be eventful. Because our first one is events. I will tolerate the pun. So, and, and nothing more. The I'm going to go in the order that we did them, a little bit thrown off by things that were technically all weekend long events. First thing that we did as a Gen Con event was Fit Fighter. And the description for Fit Fighter was a bodyweight workout designed to maximize your inner fighter's balance and efficient attacks. I will say that any fitness level could have been accommodated. We have a fitness level that meant that we were sore for not the rest of Gen Con, but pretty much until the last day. I was sore for the rest of Gen Con. You weren't as sore on Sunday. No, but it wasn't like... But like Friday, it was a big mistake to the point where we had a different fitness class on Friday that we didn't go to. We'll still like touch on that briefly. I wouldn't say that it was themed as strongly as it suggests. It was a regular bodyweight workout. Yeah, it was it was nice, though. I think in future years, I'd like to do it again, but I would like to do some workouts before yes. going so that it's not a shock to my system that's been sitting in an office chair for three weeks leading up to it. Right. And there were definitely differing fitness levels. There were some people who seemed very casual about doing this, and he did offer modifications, but it wasn't like every once in a while he would throw out like a Hey, you gotta you gotta stop the attack, but it was pretty just a normal fitness class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- that's accurate. Yeah, so it wasn't bad, but it was a good way to start the con. It was eight o'clock on Thursday morning. Yeah, and a great way. And honestly, until the uh, the soreness set in, it I felt rejuvenated to start the con. Right, you really felt like, and he was kind of saying like, oh, you know, getting ready for the con. That would have been true, but actually I think it had kind of a, a dramatic effect on our mobility for the next couple days. So the next thing we went to, we spent basically right after the fitness class, went and sat, got a spot in front of the doors for the exhibit hall, waited for it to open, which we'll talk about in a different episode. We had a strong first hour in there and didn't have much planned until the acapella concert, which was in the afternoon, maybe like four or so, with the elites. It and, was a delight. Yeah, they said that they do it every year, and I think they said they've been doing it for like 10 years. Yeah, it was super fun. They did some kitschy things. They did some just good yeah. music things. It was from video games, movies, and more. And I feel like somewhere floating around here is the list of songs they did, but I don't have it with me right now. They did uh, Tetris and kind of like passed these felt Tetris pieces as they sang. Down while the some, line. While some children tried to put them onto a felt board. It was adorable. Right, like they were playing Tetris. That was really cute. They did a Star Wars thing where they had like a, the first line of the movie that's, you know, scrolls up and they kind of pulled it up and then eventually like threw it over their heads as they were performing like a Star Wars melody. 
Um, they had a lot of little fun things. Yeah, they did a an NES theme song medley with a quiz. Oh yeah, where you were trying to guess the theme songs. So really nice. It was pretty chill. It wasn't like some auditorium or big crowd, but it felt like it felt just about right. It felt like the right size crowd, the right size setting for the show. Yeah, yeah. I would I would honestly I, I imagine the set is very similar year to year. I would do that again. Yeah, it did sound like they just kind of like, uh, maybe they pull things out a little bit, but it is the basic set every year. And yeah, I would go see it again. It was nice. Now, we had tickets to the Hot Games room that night, but instead we went to an Indie Indians game. Yeah. So this is an unofficial Gen Con event, but it was with uh, Brothers Murph and Ruel Gaviola had just kind of decided, hey, what if we went to this local game? It is Victory Field, which is where the the local minor league team plays is right next to the end of the convention center. So the convention center is huge. It spans many blocks, but this is literally right next to it. So you can hardly say it's out of your way. The Luzas were there as well. The one tar and uh thinker themer. So, you know, representing Australia and Europe and, you know, Germany. West coast. So yeah, it was really cool to go to that event get and see people, going outside of the convention walls and into our city with us being locals. Like it was really nice to see people who came for Gen Con also taking in some other things around Indianapolis. Yeah. And after a day of rain, it was a beautiful night for a ballpark. It cooled down a little bit. Not a lot bit. It was delightful. But enough, enough. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was really fun. And they won, right? They did win. They did win. Five, Five points to you for knowing the result of the game. Gosh, barely. And Ruel was keeping... Oh, yeah, keeping score. He was, like, actually writing down, keeping, what do you call it? Do you call it keeping score? No. Scoring the game. Isn't there another name for it? I just call it keeping score. Okay. Well, they, yeah, on a piece of paper, though. Because, you know, if you go to the game, they're keeping score. Like, if you say you're keeping, like, if you told me you're keeping score at a baseball game, I'm imagining a spreadsheet-like grid with a bunch of little baseball diamonds where you write the results of the at-bats and the pitches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just say, I say that to say. I think sometimes you call it just scoring the game, not not Scoring the game. Yeah, yeah. Because then you're the person in charge of deciding, is that a hit or is that an error? Sure. These are baseball words. Yep. And I have been around a lot of baseball, but like the Luzas and Thinker Themer, I don't think either of them had been around a lot of baseball. So there was some just like general, it was some people who just barely know how the game is played and then all the way up to yourself and uh, the Murphs. Yeah, they well, all seemed... like being deep into baseball. So that was also fun to kind of see different levels of it all together. Yeah, I have incredibly and stupidly elite high standards for people I want to watch a baseball game with. <laughs> this and, is and, accurate. <laughs> and the, the crowd of baseball fans there uh, met and then exceeded those standards, which is is, is saying a lot, though no one cares right. what I think. Mo- so. Well, it's saying a lot about your elitism, but it is nice that you also had a good time yeah. even being a bit of a stuffy baseball fan. I'll take I'll take it. Okay. So moving on, that was the last thing we did that night because they take those games take like three hours. So the next day, we didn't have anything planned in the morning. We just well, we had a workout planned. Oh, you're so right. We did have a workout planned, but at the end of the day on Thursday, it was very clear that we weren't going to that workout. Like sitting and standing was difficult. Again, that is to be that's about us and our desk jobs. We'll go on walks. We'll do like fit type things, but not workouts like this. Like well, it was a one hour basically body weight workout. Mostly my quads were just like no WTF. No, absolutely why, not. Why would you do it? Absolutely not. 
they went on strike. So therefore, we didn't have anything in the morning. It would have been at the same time as the class the day before. So we just went to the exhibit hall in the morning. Um, there were some games that have daily releases. So we were trying to get that done. We'll talk oh, about that yeah. later. So the first scheduled event that we had was Dice Tower Live. Oh, yeah. And we've done that. We did that the first time. It's, yeah. It's pretty fun. And I think they said it, the first, last year it was like maybe games with bad names or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Bad game names. And this was turnoffs in board games, which ended up being a little bit more like... Pet peeves. Yeah. They ended up being more like pet peeves in board games. But that was really fun. Yeah. I'm with Tom. I think that's the same thing. Pet peeve, things that turn or you turn off. Or turn you off or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And there was... It was... A big panel. So it was really a top five, but Wendy and Chris Yee were there. Uh, Tom was there. Z was there. And Mike was and also there. Also the new and person. Then, well, Roy and Camilla. Yes. So yeah. So it was a lot of people giving their top five. Roy was behind the scenes running things, but he like pre-recorded his, which was fun because um, he had little jabs at the other people on the panel as well. There are some good jokes there. Yeah. And I last year they did put it on YouTube. I haven't checked to see if it's up there already. I know they've been doing like daily travel vlogs that I haven't gotten a chance to watch yet, but they may have that show on there. So yeah. that might be something that like just anyone can watch. It may have been streamed through um, Gen Con TV like on Twitch, but I'm I'm very not sure about that. So the next thing that we went to was, I'm going to say, kind of disappointing. And that was the Furnace Interbellum. Oh, yeah. And I think demo. I think in general what we've learned. So it wasn't a, it was just a demo. It was, I think we're going to stop doing the scheduled demos. Because you can just walk through the exhibit hall floor and have things demoed to you. And I think maybe it depends on the game. But this one, I don't know that this was available on the show floor. Because this is an upcoming expansion for Furnace. Called, right. Yeah. Called Interbellum. Interbellum. And it adds a few different things. It adds these ongoing powers on certain cards. So they have like a banner on them and it's just something that's available to you. Um, there's lightning effects, which instead of usually on the bottom half of the card, you get something every time that phase comes through. You can kind of run the engine for that card. Where there are some effects that have a lightning bolt next to them, which means you just get to do it once. Uh, I played that very wrong, making our play basically invalid. There was one that I was doing that was a lightning that oh, I just it was kept doing like kept a normal doing card. It over again, yeah. Yeah, you also got a. You usually have four bidding tokens in that game for the auction phase of a round. You had another one that was like a dial, and it went from zero to nine, and you could use coal to bet a value, saying whatever value you bet, you'd pay that in coal, and it was like you had another disc to bet with. I liked. A couple of the different mechanics and how they adjusted the game, but I don't think they all fit well together. And then we also got demoed like a hyper expansion. Like instead of the expansion being mixed in with the regular cards, yeah. we got all expansion cards just like so they could show it to us. Yeah, and it sounds like that's not the intended thing because there were also those... Um whatever those little powers were that you could bid on at the very end. I forget and the name could, of them, but yeah, yeah. you could add those to a card that was in like, your tableau. They like managers or something like that. Yeah, and they would just give you some enhanced power. They'd give you some enhanced power usually about how that card was being executed. So you had additional things you could bid on as well. Yeah, I, I, I think honestly we should we should get it, but I think the... Yeah, it would be interesting to see it mixed in, instead of putting all of it in at once, like putting some of it in, if it's a little more modular. But I think the, the big disappointment wasn't the fact that 
like I, I think the issue is the when you schedule the demos, it just breaks up your date. Like we, I think we had too many things scheduled. They didn't have enough blocks of time to do other stuff. Right, because the Dice Tower show we had two hours in between, so it's it's a good amount of time. But things can also be pretty spread apart depending on where you schedule them. You got to eat sometime. You might have to wait to go to the bathroom as full as Gen Con was this year. So it's like it would almost be better to have things back to back and kind of be rushing than to have this amount of time where you don't really know what to do with it. So right after that, we actually did go this time to the Board Game Geek Hot Games room. Oh, very nice. For the first time. And it was one of our favorite things. Now, that was over in the Hyatt. So again, you have to kind of walk out of the convention center through some skywalks, just skywalks. Yeah, you don't have to go outside. No. And over uh, to the Hot Games room. And... What I heard they do for that is on Wednesday night, because that's like the trade day, Board Game Geek just goes to every booth and says, what's your hot game? And gets that game. When you go into the room, because it's like a hotel ballroom. So like it's a good size. It's not massive, massive, but it's a good size room. They have um, a few tables, like just in a line, and they have it roughly alphabetical. So like A to C, D to F or whatever. And it's just a table of games. Once you have a $4 ticket, gets you in for yeah. two hours. And you just grab a game. You don't have to check it out or anything like that. You just grab a game. You go play it. When you're done, you put the game back, grab something else. Yeah, we played we played stuff you couldn't buy at the con, which was fun. There was a couple of titles, I think, that you couldn't get. Yeah, we um, played, let's see, we played Flamecraft. That's mm-hmm. one that was a Kickstarter that we backed but hasn't come yet. We played Garden Bow, that one you could get there. And we ended up buying that, I think, yeah. No, we didn't buy no oh. that we didn't buy Garden Bow. That was a big flower one with the tile laying. Oh right, right, right. Um we played Longboard, which you could get there. We didn't buy it. We did buy Dandelions, which is yeah. board game tables, a little game. We played it and bought it. What else did we play there? Oh, there were so many games. Oh, Big Thunder Mountain. That one oh. was like warped. Yeah. We didn't play we didn't we didn't buy that. All the marbles went to the same portion yeah. of the mountain. There was a very because rich vein of ore. In that, yeah. in that Thunder Mountain. Yeah. Uh, so, like, the, the mountain that they've sculpted for the Marvels to run down was just, like, warped. So, yeah. so it makes it sort of useless. So that was disappointing. You could, we, we, we did determine, though we didn't decide to do, you could just fix it with a D8. Like, there were eight spots, so you could just right, roll could a just D8 roll. and place the Marvels out. But yeah, I mean, but that's not very fun. That's a, it's a gimmick game, and the gimmick doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. I think we played we played some other stuff there. We played a lot of stuff there. Yeah, we may have to like go back and look at the. Maybe a hot games episode. There could be, there could be. But anyways, we had a great time in the hot games room, and even eventually later in the uh, maybe that was Sun Saturday, we bought like an extra hour. Yeah. So we paid because we had a uh, we were going to go in there at eight o'clock anyway, and we paid to go in at seven technically the six to eight slot but just to have those continuous hours and they said that if you get tickets to it you can buy for the next like you can come in with your tickets and then if you want to like re-up if there's open spots they'll let you you. keep playing and buy another spot yeah um which can be kind of hard part of why we played so many small games in there um we eventually played some bigger ones but we played so many small ones because it's hard to time yeah, How you long have, you have two take? hours. And... and you're going to have to teach yourself the game, probably, given the kind of whole premise of the room. So, yeah, but we really enjoyed that. So then we go to Saturday. Saturday. It's a different day, yeah. It's a different day. And we play Dice Hunters of Therion. This was like Furnace Interbellum. This is in, like, there's the exhibit hall, and then there's a very large area, halls A through E, e maybe. And 
even it's called that, but it's just one gigantic open room full of tables. And I mean like a truly gigantic I don't room. think they had different colored tablecloths last year. And that no, was super they did. helpful. Well, either way, it was super yeah. helpful. They'll kind of be like groups of different colors of tablecloths. So our friends were like, at one time, our friends were like, hey, can you meet us at, you know, Hall C, Yellow Table 14, which was way better than right. Hall we're C. We're somewhere vaguely it's near. It's huge. Yeah, because there are banners on the ceiling to show what's it, what each hall is, but like, it all just looks the same. But so I had a good time playing the game, but again, yeah. I think just trying to get over there to play a game that's predetermined before the con starts, it's sort of like, well, we could have played Dice Hunters of Theorion. And that one was that one was for sale. I didn't. I don't know that it was being demoed, but it was for sale. It is. Uh, I think is that one Richard Garfield. You don't know. You know I don't know. But the idea is, you start with three white dice. Yep. Um, you are a dice hunter of Therion. There's like wanted posters and uh, we're hunting the, puppies, right? Huh? It was puppies we were hunting, right? I think it was just all animals. They were all animals, living people style lives, Got like it. anthropomorphic animals. Got it. So um, you roll the dice and you're trying to, as you go through the wanted posters, there's maybe seven of them stacked up. Ultimately, you're just trying to earn money, but the wanted posters give you money. The dice themselves can give you money. If you go for the wanted posters, you have to have the most swords and you're kind of competing then against the other people on the table until somebody puts swords out there and nobody can beat it. And then you get that poster. If you roll your dice and there are no swords on your dice, but there's money, you can get double the money. So it's usually be, you know, let's say you roll three coins and a sword, you'd get three coins. You roll four coins, no sword, you get eight coins. Yeah, which is, I mean, a significant, the, if you won one of the little placards, it was five, 10 or 15 points. Only one of them was worth 15. Mm -hmm. That's the last one. That triggers the game end. Yeah. That's so, the little wanted posters. I, I thought it was a very fun, small mm -hmm. game. We played with some very delightful folks. And the, you, ha you start with white dice, then there's yellow and red. And the white dice unlock yellow dice. The yellow dice unlock red dice. And the yellow and red dice also have a face on them that has an X. So if you roll the X, it comes back out of your dice pool. So you're trying to, those it's, are kind of coming in and out. So there's a little bit of like, ooh, do I want to reroll that red die? I, I might yeah, lose Yahtzee it, but I want something better. Yeah, it's Yahtzee style. So you have three chances. So it was, a, it was a nice little game. We did not end up, we played it and I wasn't like, oh, I've got to have it. Didn't end up buying it. But it's something I could see picking up. Oh, Maybe we, on, could, we could have it. We yeah. could have it. I'd probably like, oh, if it's on sale or something like that, or I'm putting together games to get to the, like a shipping threshold, I could see picking it up. Because I do know that I liked it, but just not not crazy. I feel like if you're a game publisher, are you happy to be in the category? We're like, yeah, yeah, I'll get you if I'm getting other stuff. I mean, there were a lot of games there, so I think you got to get done what you can. There it is. Yeah. And next up, we went to the first exposure play test. We actually did this twice. So we did it once on Saturday, once on Sunday. Yeah. On Saturday, we play tested Apostocracy. And on Sunday, we play tested Witch's Quarrel. Yeah. And I think we did this last year once and we liked it yeah. a lot. We so did, we did it twice this year. year? Uh, it was... Can't you, think of the name of the game. I don't know the name of the game, yeah, but I it was big and it. fun. And it's the Catacombs and Castles people, yeah. but they put out a co-op kind of adventure game. Yeah, I cannot think of the name for anything. So maybe I'll put it in the episode description after I Google it. But I think it, it's something we enjoyed, so we did it twice this year. And I think we will continue to do that. Mm -hmm. I think you have, the, like, the first game we played... I think like in the Euro and the game, you know, the game, game creators there like leading the game, which I think is always kind of fun. It was, you know, admittedly unbalanced, so it was a little bit interesting. Uh, yeah, and they're genuinely in development, so right. I felt like the apostocracy, the theme, 
Oh, so good. Was really good. So good. Really well done. And as she talked about it, you could tell that she had an interest in that. And that was really what was pushing the game forward. We felt like the back end of it didn't have the mechanic like ratios quite right. Like how much this costs versus how much it's worth versus how you have to acquire getting that resource. There seemed to be like some math in there that wasn't quite balanced yet. Right. But honestly, the the theme is so good that I think like I, I hope that she really gets the math worked out. Yeah. Because I, I think it could yeah. become an absolutely stellar game. You do a little bit of trick taking at the beginning because you're like in the parlor because this is a seventeenth yeah. century game or yeah. Ninth, and she, she did a really fun wrong. thing where where she removed nineteenth century. She replaced kings in the deck of cards with princes, and because Queen Victoria was the was the oh yeah was the like was ruling the monarch yeah. at the time, so the queen uh, ranked was, higher than the than yeah the it was prince. queen and then prince queen prince queen yeah. prince jack is the is the rank of the of the royal cards, and I think that's and then like it's set in like. 1851 and very common at that time was like like playing cards so like having a card playing element that's very small but kind of impactful at the beginning thematically it was beautiful right and i think just because you had that going on you had a board that you were kind of working your way up sort of through the social rankings up to the queen so i felt like thematically it all went really well it was just that it was just that matter of do all of these resources line up appropriately right. in the math to get from one to the other? Yeah, it was, but uh, that was fun. And then I think I liked the the second one better than than you did by a fair amount. I think you did, and I didn't dislike it. I think I just wasn't as I am very much swayed by theme, and that theme really comes through in the art that mm. is chosen, the graphics, and all that, and then also this designer. In the first playtest, she was really talking about the game and telling you and really leading it and running it right. and ensuring everything was correct. The other playtest, the guy did not want to tell us anything. And personally, I, I'm i less a fan of that personally. I feel like, you know, I, I get that they're trying to see what it's like unassisted and see what it's like yeah. when they're not intervening. But I didn't feel like the rules and things that were there were tight enough yet to be at that stage of not intervening. Right. And I think, you know, I think it makes sense. Like it's a, it's a campaign style two player yeah. mm-hmm. versus battle. And like the creator is really going for a, you open one envelope and read the envelope and yeah. then go without reading a rule book first. And I think, I think for that reason, it makes sense that he, that, that the approach was, was to kind of let us sink or swim yeah. because that's hard to get right. The rules were clear, and we were doing the right thing with some small exceptions, but we weren't confident that we were doing the right thing. Like, there was just a little right. bit missing from us to feel like we were doing it right. Right. And I think he, he seemed pretty open to that feedback and is going to make some adjustments to that first envelope. Yeah, and one of the things that I said about the... Because, you know, the art, the graphic design, those things together pull me in. And when you're playing a prototype game, there's not even necessarily anything there. It was a very pretty and- prototype. And I felt like Aaron was like, "Oh, this is great! This is so pretty." And I was like, "Is it though?" Well, it's a little dark, but I mean, the production value was very high. And I couldn't tell how intentional that dark side was because there, there were the idea is that there's two children that discover magic, two young girls discover magic, and then they're quarreling one another. They're like learning to fight this magic thing. So I get that it could get slowly darker or whatever, but like the first picture is cartoony, like straight up cartoony, right. and we're not. 
I mean, we only played it for two hours. We're only an hour in, and there was like a lady with blood coming out of her eyes. Now, yeah, that he, yeah, that one. He, I think, yeah, that I, one was and a he bit was much. Kind of, yeah, he was acknowledging that, like, okay, yeah, maybe that. And I didn't know if, like, is that the tone? Is that where we're going? Are we going like full dark with these children, and that it's going to be right. like gently what, horror? And he start. We didn't get too much. Actually, I was really enchanted by the story. I wanted to. I I, I would have liked to have played uh, longer, but the uh, in the story he. Even in the first like hour, he starts to kind of like discuss like, whoa, this is magic, this is powerful, but our emotions, both negative and positive, have an impact on how this works out in our lives. And like they were starting to talk about those things, and I thought it was interesting. Man, yeah, you really connected. I feel like you were filling in a lot there. I don't know that all of that was actually there. I mean, I felt like I didn't feel like I got all of that from the little bits of story. I think you were filling in a lot of spaces because i said i would like a little more setting a little more establishing where we are and it's chances are in a full production copy some of that might come through anyway and some of the acid you just some of the pieces that come with it but i think as people that play a lot of games even though you can end up playing an unbalanced game or play a game that's a little off theme i think it's a nice thing to do for the people who are creating games to like spend your time to play with them and to give them feedback um, and you know, our feedback is going to be different than people who don't play as often. And I think mm-hmm. for them, getting both sets of feedbacks is very valuable. And we were also he asked about price. I think yeah, what so what you'd be willing to pay for that experience? I think also differs a lot. And we kind of got into, you know, it depends on how nice the components end up being. He had this box that was set up with like diagonal slots for you to put the cards in, so that you're opening these envelopes one by one. When you first open, it's just you know a sea of envelopes, basically all kind of. Uh, lined up facing you so there's kind of this sense of like so much to discover in there which i think is great and then as you go through it's a system for organizing all the cards from the game yeah and you're going to make a whole lot so it's very similar to a dominion type feel where ultimately this is going to be a ton of cards so i want a very good system for organizing it and then another thing was it looks like a book so i also want that system to be able to be stood up because a classic dominion game you could stand it up, but it's just that if it opens, you've just you've got a mess on your hands if everything spills out. Right. So kind of building that in. If it's a more compact box with less kind of fancy components, then it's a, a smaller cost. But you could go big and elaborate, extravagant, have a playmat, and go for more cost. So those are the sort of things they're also trying to figure out even beyond just the mechanics of the game. So going, I'm going to circle back just a little bit. Dice Hunters of Therion is a new game from Richard Garfield and you try to have the highest dice rolls to capture outlaws and earn fame is the description. And then for Furnace Interbellum, which I, I mean, I don't feel like this all came across, but we had a, a very fast teach. Uh, it says in the 1920s and 30s, the interwar period known as the Interbellum, Furnace becomes more challenging, more complex and truly global. Oh. I did not get that sense, but maybe if we had really, you know... That might be in there. That might be in there. We got more of a here's everything. I believe a quote from the person responsible for teaching us the game was, oh, you've played the base game. Great. My job is now easier. Yeah. And and only half of us at our game. Yeah, I would have appreciated, pretend like I haven't played it. Yeah. Only half of us at our base game could, did play that. It was you and I had, but the other two people had not. Right. And then additionally, one of the people that we were playing with was Legally Blind. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's a challenge there, too. It makes you realize things about if you don't have the same accessibility challenges. Same thing with colorblindness. Right. Is there an icon for that or not? With um, 
And the text on those cards is very small. And he had like assisted yes, like, lenses and things like that to help. And but it, there's I mean, a lot. It to made take me in. really aware. The text on those cards is very very small. Right. And so how much can you do with like bold iconography? that will help as you learn the game to sort of know what's going on without having to read the smaller text. And I think that expansion had a lot more tiny things to read. Yeah. It didn't always have an icon with them. Now moving on, we've finished. We actually talked about both playtests there. But on Saturday... I know what you're going to say. How could you? Well, I was just making a joke about the mentalism that we were going to oh, go to. Oh, 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 yeah. It was a magic show. It was a magic show. So uh, it was Caleb Wiles... Just incredulously. Like, how could you? Well, because I didn't know that I'm never, I didn't know it was a joke. So it was magician Caleb Wiles, who I think is local. I think it's in Indianapolis. Yeah, I think he said he's from like 20 yeah. minutes away or something like that. Like yeah. Maybe. I mean, that. so were we. Um, he's been on Pin and Teller Fool Us, so you can Google. Yeah, I actually want to look, I haven't watched those episodes. I now yeah. want to watch the episode. I Googled it because I was trying to make sure like figure out his name make sure i had the right person the video that i saw was posted in 2020 like june of 2020 so it's the i feel like we may it, have seen it because we watched a lot of pin and teller fool us during the like yeah, you, know, you go gonna, down a youtube when hole. we're done recording this episode i'm just gonna watch them That's okay what I'm gonna do. um and it was originally gonna have uh the board game ramblings co-host johannes on it but i don't think they I think things happened. They couldn't make oh, it over. Oh, because Johannes also does magic. They had a different kind of guy that helped host. And then they there was a lot of audience participation. Yeah. Stephen Bonacore was there as yeah. well. He went it up was, on stage. It was a delightful show. It was a delightful show. And it was sort of like, I mean this in the best way. It was a, it was a little better than I expected. Like, I was going to be totally okay for it to be, like, not like worse some, magic, some... but more... I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah. The, I didn't it, expect the page to catch on fire. And I've seen those kind of, I've seen like that trick before where they like pull a page out of a book and then, and then they do things to that page and then the page is magically back in the book. I just didn't expect it to catch on, catch, he lit it on fire and it, and it flamed up. And I was like, oh, well that was, that was pretty cool. When he did a lot of mentalism and I don't really like that. It's not my favorite kind of magic, but it was good mentalism. Like, Well, in some of it, he was kind of explaining the ment. He explained some of the mentalism they did, and not all of it, in that there was this thing with, um, he said he just looked at a, a lot of IMDb. Oh, yeah, he did. And he was doing this, and he said that there's an algorithm that you can find out what day of the week a date was in the past. Like, you do some memorization, and then you can do a little bit of math and know when a date was. But he also then was doing like a Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon and kind of saying how people were one how one uh, actor actress was related to another. But then as he did it, he used the, uh, what's that called? An acrostic. Yeah. He used and an, spelled out one of the other actress, yeah, the actors. Yeah, so he had members of the audience write down uh, Some like famous, person. Fa famous people's names. Then he uh, ascertained their birthdays and then used- And he did that by memorization. The, yeah, then yeah, did the, he memorized their birthdays, which is kind of cool. Yeah. But then the super fun part- Yes. Was so the it acrostic, was like, yeah. So he'd good. be like, you start with Timberlake, and he's like, oh, they were in this movie with this person, this movie with this person, this movie with this person. Now I've gotten to your your actress. And then let's go from your actress to your actor. And when he was done, it spelled out The Rock down which the side, which the was someone person. else's. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I mean that in the best way, that it was better than I expected. Yeah, it was it was it was fun. And then also uh the proceeds went to to like Riley provide Hospital. yeah, to Riley Hospital. And then he also has an Indiegogo or he's involved with, I'm not sure if it's really his or not, 
an Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign that's live right now as we're recording this. I also needed to go and like do that too. I'm very it's busy magic. after the show. Yeah, it's magic for a cause, and I think it's called Box of Wonder. Yeah, and I think what and happens is you, you buy one box and they give a box to a child at, at Riley. Yeah, it's all all the proceeds go to charity. I don't know if it's only Riley or other children's hospitals mm-hmm. or what for that one. Yeah, it's super fun. Yeah, so that was that was a very fun show, uh, really enjoyable. And I, you know, that and the acapella show are both like not necessarily board game related, but it's fun to do those things in that context with the same people that are there for the con. So for sure, yeah, kind of getting out of the board game stuff and doing other stuff. Tai Chi. Yes. Yeah, so another, this was the the last fitness class. We actually, we were recovered enough to recovered do enough it. to do this one. And then also Tai Chi is not the same type of full body workout in the sense that you're going to end up getting into cardio. It's very meditative, very soothing, uh, very centering practice in general. And the sword part was just that, and I think that's the kind of theming I don't know if there's a lot of Tai Chi sword stuff anyways, but we got, we had little like PVC swords that we used. It was a good size class for the room. There was like just enough space for us all to be doing it. And we like learned a sequence of movements kind of step by step to do a Tai Chi sword like practice. It was a delightful way. Yeah. And the the Gen Con week of events. Uh, the description is the beautiful art of Tai Chi sword balances the health and immune boosting benefits of regular Tai Chi practice with the challenge and excitement of sword play. Slice and chop your way to relaxation. That's exactly what we did. And, I and was also so like, relaxed. It was very relaxing. It was nice. Highly recommend this. And what the, the instructor was legit. Yeah. Like, and he he's says very that good. he comes here half the year, and the other half of the year he's like in Guatemala saving children. Yeah, I mean, so these performances, awesome. like the the acapella, I think I don't think they were also saving children, but the other well, two they were teachers. They were teachers. That's true. That's true. That's true. Doing the local effort um, because they were also local. So yeah, I think that the fact that these other entertainers had this charity uh, bent mm-hmm. to them wasn't necessarily something I was expecting, but was super awesome. Yeah, yeah. and he was like. You know, like when you learn something from someone who you can just tell commands the material. Yeah. And then it just honestly, oh. if you've ever done Tai Chi, you realize like the footwork is important and where you place your body weight is important. And his feet were, I don't know any other way to describe it. His feet were so quiet. Yeah. Like there's a, if you he's watch... just like, and just do this and do that. And I'm doing it like tripping over myself a bit. And having your weight in the right place all the time. But yeah, if you watch, I think any Tai Chi, when you watch their feet, it is a very gentle shift of your weight back and forth. And that involves like that slow movement. It does involve a lot of strength and balance to, you know, not but, be doing things to be doing things that smoothly. I think it also like draws you into being super mindful about like yes. you're very much in the moment. You're like, where is my weight? Where yes. ought my weight to be? And it just it. it, it, it and was that combined nice. with where your arm should be and then the sword. Like as it went on, I was like, okay, this is this. And I heard someone else. Like, I said, this is difficult. <laughs> like, yeah. they, and he would walk around and kind of help you whenever he would walk by and then be watching. I was like super nervous because yeah. you just he feel still like, didn't watch you for a minute. I was going really slow because he said you can go as slow as you want. But then I was like also intimidated that he was watching. And I was like, oh, I want to do a good job. Because I want to do well in school, you know? Yeah. I want to get good yeah. grades. Uh, there was also a stuffed penguin in the class. Oh, God. 
which we're I don't want to gloss over because it was such a silly and interesting little memory for our particular class. I'm guessing the penguin has an Instagram account or something because the guy with the penguin set him into the class as though he was a participant gave a him a sword got a sword for him and, and the instruction was very cool at the beginning it was like oh it's my new favorite student yes and it was all cute and fun he's walking around taking pictures but the whole thing that we're doing there is very calming meditative focused and if there is a penguin photo shoot that does sort of detract from what we're trying to accomplish yeah and the instructor very nicely very calmly as is you know his way said let's Let's wrap up the penguin photo shoot or something to that effect. I think you said let's save the rest of the penguin photo shoot till the end of the of the of session. the class. Yes, um, and I uh, the guy did. And he was like he was still very supportive. Like he's very cute and all this kind of stuff. Like he was yeah. still like this is very nice what you're doing here. This is just not the time to be doing it. The guy stayed a little bit and did some Tai Chi himself before packing up his penguin and leaving. Yeah. I mean, I think he was... I think he got the photos he needed. He got the content yeah. he needed. And, you know, we don't know. He might have been completely understanding and was only ever intending to stay to stay get for... his photos and then to right. leave. Maybe he had something else scheduled even. Right. Uh, Double it, booked. It also seems like he just took his ball and went home. It, it seems like maybe he himself was not as interested in it. As much as it seemed to fit the character that he's created, I have no can idea you, how can, to search for. Can that. you imagine if you're trying to, if, if you're trying to plan for Gen Con and you have to keep your penguins' preferences in mind? Yeah, people are running very successful Instagram accounts that I don't understand, and that's got to be one of them. He was a very cute penguin. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of Hugsy, the bedtime penguin pal from Friends. I'm just saying oh, words to you, aren't I? It's yeah. like when you talk about baseball. Yeah. You're giving me that same look. It could be an air. Your baseball. That's a joke. Is it a good joke? I. Thank you so much for listening to episode 66. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at Variant Hex. We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com. And you can email us at podcast at VariantHex.com. We recorded these recaps very quickly after Gen Con, before we returned back to our regular lives, and it's those same regular lives that have lengthened the time it took to start getting these posted. We have a few more coming your way, and then we will have some unboxing podcasts. Those will be sort of like first impressions similar to the Gen Con preview episodes, but with an actual box in hand. The next episode will be all about the food at Gen Con 2022, unless you're listening to these in reverse, in which case you have 65 more episodes headed your way the next one being our month in review for July 2022. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today.